All right, Jack DeLeon producing the program. Welcome back. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Just uh, had a great conversation with Cooper Webb. But, um, Tony, it was a big weekend of racing in a lot of areas, including the the Isle of Man. Yeah. I don't know if you watched that, but I watched about three hours of it. And, dude, these people are going crazy fast. Yeah, that is a sport we did unfortunately lose lose a guy um, this year to uh, to that sport. It's so dangerous. It's and, very dangerous. And our next guest probably uh, is a fan of that. Dustin Meter, he uh, met her. He met her. Me. Yeah, met her. even asked him met to make her. sure. Wow, yep. Dustin met her. He's hmm. he's a very accomplished road racer himself and, and a mechanic, and maybe he'd uh, join the conversation. Dustin, how are you? Yeah. I'm great. How are you guys? Is, is the Isle of Man something that we're going to see for the next year or two, and then it goes away because it is so dangerous, or what? Oh, not in my opinion. I mean, that race has been going on for years now, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that people lose their lives doing it, but they do it because they love it, and everybody that is over there doing it is doing it because they love it, and everybody that goes there and watches goes because it's, you know, a one-of-a-kind race, and uh, you don't see anything else like it. I mean, those guys are crazy. Well, they it, do, and and they're good at it. And Dustin, this is not the first death that's ever happened oh, at no, Isle of Man. Not at all. And no. and everybody that and as a racer, whether it's on a dirt bike, a street bike, a, a car, pe- a pedal bike, whatever you want to say, yeah, there's always a risk with absolutely racing. Period. Um, so it's not like these guys go into it going, oh yeah, nothing's going to happen yeah. to me. No, exactly. No, they know they know there's a risk going into it. <clears throat> no matter what kind of motorsport you're in, you know there's always a risk. But uh, you know when you strap on the helmet, you're you you're willing to take that risk and, and do what you love. Scary. Our guest is Dustin Matter, lead mechanic, Yamalube Westby Racing Moto America Superbike team, and uh, we um, talk about the weekend. Oh well. For those of you that haven't seen, the weekend was a struggle for us. Uh, Dunlop came out with the new tire for the series, and uh, you know we had some time to test with the tire, right? And we thought we were, you know, pretty well set to go. But obviously, different tracks have different uh, setups. So we came into Road Road America thinking we were going to be pretty pretty set to go. But uh, from the first session, we were struggling with the setup. It wasn't quite what we thought it was going to be. So then we were. A little bit behind the eight ball and had to figure a few things out, uh, get Matthew back to feeling comfortable and having the feel that he likes to have on the bike. You being a rider so, yourself, and, and uh, I would imagine you, I mean, he's obviously a very accomplished rider too, but um, how do you guys get through that? Is there a process? Are you, are you chasing your tail, or, or what, do you, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> well, the, one of the good things about Matthew is he's really, really good with feedback. And that really helps um, our crew chief, Ed Sullivan, and uh, the suspension guy from Owens that we have working with us, John Cornwell. It really helps those guys determine what he's feeling, what he's not feeling, what he needs. <clears throat> and then they sit down and, you know, obviously go over the data and brainstorm about what what move to make next. We're pretty – we take our time on making decisions on what we're going to change and which direction we're going to go because, obviously – it's easy to go in the wrong direction and start going down the rabbit hole. So, but you don't always have to about our changes. Yeah, you don't always have that kind of uh, discretion. In other words, time is not always on your side, right? Not always, <clears throat> not always. But luckily, um, 
you know, John Cornwell, the Owens guy that works with us, he's super knowledgeable and been around many different racing series. And uh, with his knowledge and the effort from Ed, I mean, those guys are really good about making decisions on which way to go. And then, like I said, you know, Matthew with his feedback is just phenomenal. Right. And it just make, makes making the changes a little bit easier because he knows what he wants and he knows what he likes. Feedback tone is everything. It seemed like you guys oh. had a pretty solid start to the weekend. I mean, you, you qualified fourth and it was just like, what, a half a second off pole? Yeah, the first two practices didn't go too well. We were a little bit off the pace. And then Matthew, you know, struggling with the, the feel a little bit. And then obviously once we got to uh, day two when there was the second, uh, the third practice and then the uh, Super Bowl, we kind of had things a little bit more figured out, got him the feel he was looking for. And uh, so it was a step forward for sure. <clears throat> but, the- we, you know. There was still a little bit of work to be done. The crashes, was that a result of the tires or something else? No, it wasn't really a result of the tire. It was more, um, from what I gathered from what Matthew was saying, it was more of a little bit of a rider error and than anything. Maybe he needs a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there, there's no need for that. He beats himself up enough for throwing uh, the thing down the road. He knows it's hard work to, to get the bike you know, in good working order, and he, he he was definitely beating himself up about it. So, it, with Moto America now has a one bike rule. Can right. you explain to us how that works? And and would Matthew have come in to swap bikes after his race one crash if there was a if, if you guys could option. yeah if you had the backup bike available? Um, the one bike rule basically you can only have one bike ready <clears throat> to ride, and that's the bike you you start the weekend with, and you ride that bike, and if you have a catastrophic crash. And that bike is totally unrepairable, and the the tech guys deem it unrepairable. Then you can swap to your backup bike, and uh, then you can pull the your other bike out of the trailer and get ready to go. However, you need to do. But okay, um, if he if he would have been able to come in with his bike, we're more than prepared to repair any crash damage that you know that is sustained. Just like last year, you know, he, him and Bobby Fong and Jake Lewis were all involved in a in a crash on the first lap, and. Uh, that was a turning point for our season last year. He was able to get his bike back in. We were able to get it repaired in enough time for him to get back out in the race. And, you know, that was where he took the points lead in the series and continued to hold the lead for the rest of the series and win the championship. So, you know, it would have been great if he could have got back in and got the bike repaired and got more points, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. I don't understand that. You say that, that the one one bike rule is only if the bike's unrepairable. So you got to run – you run yeah. two bikes through tech – but you can't use it unless no, you, you only com- run one bike through you, No, you no, I've read this. You only have one bike. Right. You only have one bike ready to go. That's the key. You, know. you only run yeah. one bike through tech, Tony. And but then, okay, so what if you do one totally bike, one frame? One bike, totally one frame, right? And it's, right. And, they, and it's obviously deemed unrepairable, like the frame is messed up, or then they could have went back. Damaged, then you can pull your other frame out. Yeah. And, you, know, you know, do a swap in the. I think it's a pile of horse. Careful stuff. Well, I mean, Jack some people says I'm okay. that way. Some people don't. I guess if you how do you how do you how do you feel? Situation. Do they? Is I it? Mean, I don't. I don't mind it much. I mean, it can be a, a pain at times, but if you're prepared enough and you have all your spares laid out and everything built, kind of how we do in sub assemblies, and makes it a little bit easier to do crash repair or. What is the reason behind the t- the rule? Is it is it to keep it so everybody can afford to be on the same level, or is it something else? I don't get it. I think that's probably more, more of the reason behind it. Maybe to even the playing field a little bit. You know, there's a lot of guys in their series that don't have necessarily a backup bike fully ready okay. to go, and you know they just have a bunch of spare parts. So if 
you know, it's just kind of even the playing field. Obviously, the factory guys, every, all those guys have two bikes 100% ready to go all the time, but, you know, some guys don't have that option. So they, I think they're just trying to even the playing field and make it a little bit more fair for everybody. Tony, let's, let's go back to 2006. Do you mind? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to 2006. At that time, you were working for Westby Racing, and after a brief stint with the M4 team, you uh, – uh, you you went back, okay, and explain. Can you explain to us your role and duties within the Westby uh, Westby Racing Team? Basically, my duties would be making sure the bike is ready to go. Basically, building the bike from the ground up. Wow. You know, okay. Um, we have Brian Livingood do our motors, and then you know we have Owens do our suspension. And from that point, I put everything together. You know, just build the bike from the ground up. All the little brackets and trinkets and stuff that we put on there and you know come up with it's kind of nice uh being with you know the westby team we're not uh, we're our own team so we can right. make our own decisions and make build the bike how we want to build it and so that's that's one of the great things about the team is we kind of we can kind of do what we want and build the bike how we want don't have to follow any specific rules from any you know factories or anybody telling us how to do it so um and then, you know, if they're on the race weekends, it's just a matter of maintaining the motorcycle, make sure there's no issues, okay. keeping it serviced and ready to go. How is that for you as, as a as a guy that's, I mean, you, 2009, you win the eight hours of Daytona. Um, you, you've, you've, you've got some accomplishments, dude. And um, as a rider, as a rider. So, so when you're there and you, I mean, I've been a dirt bike racer my whole life and I managed a supercross team for five you were years. pretty damn good. And I. I was miserable the whole time. I wanted to go home and ride my dirt bike. And so it just wasn't for me. So I can't imagine making a career out of, out of, uh, especially when you can throw your leg over and still do pretty well. Right. I mean, you, you filled in for, uh, um, you were a fill-in rider for the team in 16 in New Jersey and VIR. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, you've, you are, uh, you're the man. So, so how is I've been that for a motorcycle you? racer my whole life i mean i started riding when i was three so i've been around motorcycles my whole life and that's pretty much what it's all, revol all revolved around and obviously being a rider you always want to ride you always want to race you know being a racer we always want to race and win um just sometimes that the option's not there whether it be financially or you know having to have a regular job to pay the bills or whatever it takes sometimes you just ride when you can ride and take the opportunities you get and uh you know i don't mind being the mechanic that makes the thing makes builds the bike to win i mean i'm still winning i'm just not the one sitting on the bike <laughs> yeah so. tim four i got it <laughs> the next best thing i guess if you're not on the bike is to be building the bike tony i want to be your bike builder <laughs> wouldn't you, let you, you touch one of my bikes i have, no. I have 11 16 uh, sockets and <laughs> I do. Whoa, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 16th, you're, wrong. you're working on the wrong kind of bike. Aren't yeah. You? I think he's trying. To, I'm hoping you, he's trying you to want be funny. Me to go to MM, M, MM. You want me to go to mil, millimeters? Yeah, you that's what us? we call them in the. Uh, oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, I, I worked on U.S. cars, my friend. I'm you sorry. don't work on anything. How's, how's Chuck G to, to work for? How is he as a crew chief? Chuck is he a keto? Is he a. I mean, we understand a, that he's a very mean and demanding. Well, yeah, a taskmaster. Uh, just a really. Just a slave driver. <laughs> Just a horrible. Oh, no, that's, that's, I don't know where you heard that from, but that's not the case. He's no, actually a good. He's a, he's a great guy to work with. You know, um, we're big fans. Around, yeah, yeah. He's been around the paddock for a long time, and he knows how which way the ball rolls. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's great to work with him. He knows a lot of people in the industry, and it really helps the team on getting stuff sorted out. And, you know, it's, he's great to bounce ideas off of because he's, he's been around long enough that he knows what's good and what's bad and how to do things right. Chuck is uh, one of the stalwarts, if you will. And, and, Tony, you can feel free to use that word the rest of the – I don't even know what it is. Stalwart? A, a guy that stands up and oh. that you can count on. Has like a, a real pillar in the – A pillar, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a strong backbone. But, no, Chuck is a stalwart of our racing industry. We have a lot of respect for him. A great guest on the program, by the way. And, Always. Uh, what? Always, yeah. Yes, yes. No, we're talking with Dustin Meter. Uh, and, and Dustin – Metter. Meter, matter. Matter, meter. Yeah. I've heard it so many different ways. That's my point me. I was trying to make, but I was so uh, rudely interrupted by the Mexican in the room. I will ask you this. Um, is there a correct way to say your name as far as your family's concerned? Is matter. It matter. It is matter. <laughs> Surprising okay. is the way he says it. Wow, it's weird. Dustin, uh, are you in, you back in Oklahoma then, just hanging out, getting ready for Laguna? Yeah, me and Trudy got back yesterday late last night and then uh so i'm here at home just hanging out and uh, i got some work to do here and then maybe at some point i'll be going to the shop in atlanta to do some work to the bikes before we head out head out to the west coast and make that trip when when you travel are you in an rv an suv are you are you in a station, big rig station wagon station <laughs> <laughs> i'm at pinto no typically i ride <laughs> nice <laughs> typically i ride to the races with trig and his rv in 14 and, uh, years tony i think that's the first time anyone ever mentioned going to a race in a pinto Probably. is that is that a wood panel pinto by the way is there one is there was you can make wind? it no but you could make it that way if you wanted to i used to take my 65 chevy impala to the races threw my kx250 in the trunk true story trunk and, yeah it's yes. a 65 yeah it's big trunk. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Was there, was there part of the bike sticking out, though? Yeah, you'd have to take the tie down and strap the the trunk down. I still have the car. <laughs> I left, I, I got to tell you, I know. in full honesty, I, I left, um, I put something in my trunk. It was a gas can, right? I About a five-gallon trunk. But I left the <laughs> trunk open because of the, the smell. I went in and paid for the gas. Uh -huh. And then I left, and I realized that the sound that was coming from inside my car was way too loud. And there were people looking at me. I still had the back hatch mm. of the Cadillac up. So I felt like an idiot. But, um, Tony, you obviously did that intentionally. I'm, sh I'm sure it wasn't the first time you felt that way. Actually, no. I've been an idiot most of my life. But the point, important point is that you have done this intentionally. Yeah. So you put a like a bungee cord or something on it? Yeah, it's high down. Okay. All right. Have you ever have you ever been in that position, Dustin, where you have to use a tie down to tie down a you know a, a, a lid or hatch or anything like that? No, because I'm a van guy. You know? <laughs> I drive a van, so, Chevy uh, van. I hope I don't have to deal with no hat. Oh no, a Ford. Oh man, nice. Those things. Chevy yeah, van, a Chevy van will drive itself. A nah. Ford, you got to work at. <laughs> No, nope. we are up against the clock, guys. I got to tell you, I've, I've loved the conversation. It's always good to talk to you, Dustin. Thank you so much for the time today. Appreciate it. Any 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 sponsors you want to recognize? Oh, uh, the list is long. I mean, we got so many sponsors that help out our team. It's amazing. Um, I'll just name off a few of the big ones. Obviously, Yamalube, uh, Westby Racing, Fast Frank Racing, Superbikes Unlimited, um, Lacomoto. 
Yoshimura. Oh, those are all the big names that really help us out a lot. Well, you did a great job on the program. Appreciate you joining in with us. Uh, and Absolutely. And sure, we'll do it again soon, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. DM right there, Dustin. And Tony, you're going to say it uh, right. Metter. Metter. Dustin Metter. And I would go Meteor. I, I really would. Uh, Brad Baker, I know that name. He's coming up next. In hour number two, Alex Martin and his brother Jeremy. They had a great, outstanding weekend, Tony. And and uh, it was a, it was like a two, three weekend for those guys, right? Yeah, one, two. It's so cool, though. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen two brothers hmm. at that level battling for the front. We've seen brothers racing and we made a big deal out about this, but this is really something special. It's very special. As a matter of fact, we're going to have Daniel Blair on to talk about it from Fox Sports because he has a brother as well. They've done just that. They've battled for one and two spots all their life. We're going to have Daniel Blair on. Uh, and Jamie, and will you say it for me, please? Estillo. Estillo. Jamie Estillo is going to be joining us. He finished 18th in the KTM Cup, but I think the story is even better. And Cooper Webb will be joining us, Dustin and uh, Brad. And I'll tell you what, we're going to do uh, what we need to do. We're going to take a quick time out. And uh, Jack DeLeon, Leanne DeLeon, producing our program. We're going to take us to break. Stay tuned. Back after this. Hey, it's Chad Reed with 2 Motorsports. If you're doing well. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, track out. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. <laughs> 